Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloudco slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24, that's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Mapper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. The date was October 31st, 2008, Halloween night. A young Seattle woman, 24-year-old Arpana Janaga, had plans that evening to participate in a Halloween party at her apartment complex. Several of her neighbors and Arpana would decorate their apartments and open their doors to guests who would pop in and out over the course of the evening. She was spotted in the early morning hours, around 3 a.m., returning to her own unit to get some sleep after a night of socializing. And this would be the last time that she was seen alive. A few days later, a family friend and neighbor would discover Arpana's apartment in shambles with the front door kicked in. Inside the unit was the body of the young computer programmer, doused in motor oil and scrubbed clean with bleach. And now, every guest in attendance of that Halloween party was a suspect. Two individuals in particular would stand out to police because of their past criminal history, relationship with the victim, and DNA evidence found at the crime scene. However, despite a lengthy trial spanning almost a decade, the murder of Arpana Janaga remains unsolved to this day. We're going to talk about the night of the murder, the vast amount of evidence found at the crime scene, and how we got to this point where a killer has so far walked free. So, let's jump right in. Arpana Janaga was a 24-year-old young woman originally hailing from Hyderabad, India, one of the largest cities in all of India. She was the eldest of two daughters born to her parents, and absolutely their pride and joy. 
from a very early age, it was clear that Arpana was incredibly ambitious and motivated to do whatever it took to succeed. Growing up, she always wanted to follow in her father's footsteps and start a career in computer programming. And she got an early start on that dream. At just 21 years old, Arpana was highlighted as an up-and-coming young inventor in the New India Express newspaper, and she would catch attention from potential employers all around the world after participating in an advanced microchip design contest. After finishing university in India, she decided to follow the American dream all the way to Rutgers University, where she received a master's in computer engineering. After graduating, she was quickly scooped up by a tech company, and she started her career as a software programmer. She would only get to spend around six months in her new job before she was killed. However, she became a rising star at her company, even receiving a promotion to lead programmer during that short time. Her job wasn't the only thing that she was completely kicking butt at. She was determined to live the best life that she could, and that included buying a motorcycle without even knowing how to ride it. That's okay, she was determined to learn, and she even decided to join a motorcycle club to hone her skills. What she lacked in knowledge, she made up in determination, and it was admirable to all those who met her. When she wasn't riding with her MC, she enjoyed taking taekwondo classes and volunteering at animal shelters. All this to say, not only was Arpana incredibly well-rounded, she was also very busy, and yet she still made time for those closest to her. She was a bit of a social butterfly. She loved hanging out with other people. She may not have had the largest group of friends, but she did have a few really solid people in her life, and that's all you really need. She also continued to stay close to her family, who lived back in India, and she was committed to staying in communication with them, making sure to call every single weekend to catch up. In 2008, she moved to Redmond, Washington, which is located on the outskirts of Seattle, in order to be closer to her workplace. She rented an apartment on the third floor of the Valley View Apartments, which was the top floor of the building. Arpana was pretty well known, despite the fact that she worked a ton. Her friendly, cheerful demeanor left an impression, and she easily made friends with all of the other residents. On October 31st, 2008, Halloween, Arpana went to work and she excitedly told her co-workers about a party that she was hosting that evening, along with several other people in her apartment building. Halloween landed on a Friday night that year, which made it the perfect chance to celebrate. I swear every year that Halloween falls on a Friday, it feels like you're winning the lottery. After leaving work for the day, she stopped at a store to pick up Halloween decorations for her apartment, which she would decorate as a haunted forest, and she grabbed her Halloween costume, deciding to dress up as Little Red Riding Hood. At least three other residents in the Valley View apartment complex decided to decorate and to open their doors to guests during the night of the party. There was said to be an eclectic group of individuals who attended the party that night, including both residents and outside guests. People would walk about the building, drifting in and out of different apartments, drinking, smoking, having fun, taking a ton of photos. Photos that would prove to be highly useful later. 
For the most part, the party was said to be upbeat, and people were generally having a really good time. Although, there were a few minor incidents to be expected because there was a lot of drinking, including an argument between Arpana and another guest at the party. Allegedly, at one point earlier on in the evening, witnesses remember seeing Arpana in a verbal altercation with a man, claiming that they believed it was related to her race. This man had supposedly made comments about her being from India. It was said to be only a minor argument, and Arpana, she allegedly handled the situation very well. She appeared to move on from the situation and enjoy the rest of the evening. In the early morning hours, around 3 a.m., the party finally began to wind down and guests began to clear out. Around this time, Arpana was seen returning to her third floor apartment to go to bed, get some sleep. This would be the last time that Arpana was seen alive. That weekend, her family would try to contact her, as they did every other weekend, but they couldn't reach her by phone. No one was answering. The last time that they had spoken to her was the night before Halloween, but now she wasn't answering any phone calls, and it was highly unusual. Still, her family, they were all the way back in India. There wasn't really anything that they could physically do while living so far away, so they tried to wait it out and just hope that she would reach back out to them. The weekend passed with no one hearing from or seeing Arpana. When Monday rolled around, she didn't show up to work, and things became a lot more serious. Her employer tried to call her to see if everything was okay because she hadn't even bothered to call in sick or anything, but no such luck. They couldn't reach her. When Arpana's family back in India still could not reach her by phone on Monday, they asked a family friend who happened to live in the area if they could go over to her apartment just to make sure that she was okay. This family friend would arrive at the Valley View apartment complex at around 9 a.m. that morning. When he went up to the third floor where her apartment was located, he was met by Arpana's next-door neighbor, who has been identified in court records as CJ. Arpana and CJ, they were very well known to each other. The two had spent some time together when she had initially moved into the building, but in recent weeks, they had sort of drifted apart. There was definitely a romantic interest in Arpana by CJ, but it's unclear if any of that was reciprocated. Either way, CJ offered to go into Arpana's apartment with this family friend to check on her. When they knocked on the front door, it pretty much just swung open, and they discovered that the door jam it was broken, as if someone had forced their way in. Both the lock on the door handle and the deadbolt had been engaged, but the door, it just looked like it had been kicked in. The locks were broken. Once inside the apartment, the first thing that they noticed was the intense smell of bleach and other cleaning chemicals. It just hit them in the face and burned their nostrils because it was just so overpowering. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, 
which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The living room itself, it was a complete mess, and it looked like there had been some kind of struggle. It definitely didn't look like it had looked the evening of the party. As they walked through the apartment towards her room, they would see her body lying on the bedroom floor. She was clearly deceased, and it appeared that she had been killed quite violently. The family friend quickly called emergency services who basically told the two men to get out of the apartment immediately and wait until police arrived on the scene. 
Now, when investigators arrived a few hours later, they would find one of the most puzzling crime scenes that they would ever encounter. From their observations, it looked like someone had broken down the front door and then attacked Arpana in her living room, which was now in complete disarray. The attack appeared to move to the bedroom where her body had been found. Whoever had killed her had spent a substantial amount of time in her apartment attempting to clean up and destroy any remaining evidence. Arpana was discovered lying face down on the floor of her bedroom, covered in bleach and motor oil. It looked like someone had planned to spray her body down with the motor oil and then try to light it on fire, not knowing that apparently motor oil, it's not flammable. Bleach had also been used to wipe down furniture, including the living room table. It was also found all over the living room carpet and the bedroom carpet. In the bathroom, investigators discovered Arpana's white bedroom comforter soaking in the tub in a mixture of water and bleach. It was still covered in blood, despite the effort to remove the stains. Someone had gone to great lengths to try to destroy any remaining DNA evidence on that blanket. In the apartment building dumpster, authorities would find a plastic bag that contained sheets from Arpana's bed, a blood-stained bathrobe, pieces of her Halloween costume, and an empty canister of motorcycle oil, likely the one used to spray Arpana's body. There were several items missing from the apartment, including Arpana's ID, her cell phone, and her digital camera, leading investigators to believe that the motive for this horrific crime might be a robbery gone wrong. They would only further lean into this theory when they discovered that her beloved motorcycle, it was also missing. Later on, it would be confirmed that Arpana had actually brought the motorcycle into the repair shop just a few days prior to her murder, so it was actually completely unrelated. Robbery was still a possible motive, but not likely because nothing else of value in the apartment was taken. So if the killer didn't take these items to pawn for cash, why were they taken from the apartment? Well, it's likely that her cell phone and her digital camera, they may have contained evidence that the killer didn't want to be found. Maybe she had taken photos during the Halloween party, including photos of the person who took her life. Or maybe she had exchanged text messages with the killer. We have no idea, and these items, they've never been found. An autopsy would be conducted on Arpana's body, and the King County Medical Examiner's Office determined that she died due to asphyxiation. It's believed that she had been strangled with a boot lace. She also had blunt force trauma injuries to her head, and several of her teeth were broken. Her own underwear was used to gag her, and then duct tape had been placed over her mouth to keep it there. The medical examiner's office also confirmed what the police thought. She had in fact been sexually assaulted. After she had been killed, her body had been scrubbed down with bleach and water, and then motor oil was sprayed all over her body. Again, the police believed that she was sprayed with this motorcycle oil in an attempt to light her body on fire and destroy all the evidence, but the oil wasn't flammable. Her hands... They had also been doused in acidic blue toilet bowl cleaner, which would have ruined any DNA on her hands and under her fingernails. 
In looking at the state of decomposition her body was in when it was found, it was determined that she had likely been killed approximately two days before her body had been found, meaning she had been killed shortly after the Halloween party ended. While a specific time of death couldn't be determined, it was estimated that she had died sometime between 3 a.m. and 8 a.m. Police would speak to the tenants of the building and those who had attended the Halloween party to try to find out what Arpana's last night on Earth was like. This is when they learned about that argument that she had allegedly had with a guest at the party about her race, but they didn't believe that it was connected to her murder. And the person that she had argued with, he had an alibi during the time that she's believed to have been killed. Police also spoke with her neighbors, who she shared walls with, including CJ, one of the two men who found her body. And they learned that both neighbors had heard sounds coming from Arpana's apartment during those early morning hours. Shortly after 3 a.m., both neighbors reported hearing what they described as consensual sex sounds. So, like moaning. One of the neighbors said that he woke up again at around 8 a.m. that morning because he heard a disturbing growling sound through the wall, which ended with a loud thud. He also reported hearing water running for about an hour, but figured that Arpana was likely just having a shower. The neighbors didn't really think anything of it at the time. I mean, these are pretty typical sounds to be hearing when you live in close proximity to other people. Trust me, I live in a row house and I hear far too much. But now, police believed that these sounds were actually of Arpana being assaulted, killed, and then cleaned with bleach. One of the biggest issues that police were facing with this investigation was the pure amount of evidence that they had, including a ton of different DNA samples found inside of her apartment, combined with the number of people who were in and out of her apartment that night during the party. There were a lot of people who could potentially be a suspect, but there just wasn't enough evidence to charge any specific person with her murder. So with that... The case went quiet for almost two years. Then, in October of 2010, authorities held a press conference to announce the arrest of a suspect in the killing of Arpana Janaga, 27-year-old Emmanuel Fair, also known as Anthony Parker. But from here on out, I will refer to him as Fair. Photos of Fair at the Halloween party surfaced, and he was no stranger to local authorities. He had a lengthy rap sheet that included firearms, drugs, and sexual-related charges, including being convicted in the rape of a 15-year-old girl at gunpoint. In that particular case, he pled guilty, and he was sentenced to four years in jail, but he only served about three years before he was released on probation in 2006. So during the two years between his release and Arpana's murder, he would basically bounce around from place to place couch surfing, when whenever he wasn't doing that, he was back in jail for violating his conditions. On the day that Arpana was murdered, Fair was staying with a woman named Leslie, who just so happened to live in the same apartment complex as Arpana. He was also seen at that Halloween party engaging with Arpana. There was lots of photos taken of him that evening. That's how the police initially identified him as a suspect. 
the prosecutor's office claimed to have DNA evidence tying Fair to the murder, alleging that his DNA was found on the duct tape that had been placed on her mouth, the bloody robe that was found in the dumpster, on Arpana's neck where she had been strangled, and then all around her apartment. Fair would confirm that, yep, he was at that Halloween party, but he wasn't surprised that his DNA was found because he had been inside of Arpana's apartment. He said that that night of the party, they spoke very briefly, maybe 30 minutes or so in total. She had showed him some photos on her computer, which was located in her bedroom, and that was it. They never spoke after that, and he claimed to have gone back to his friend Leslie's apartment at around 1 a.m., and he said he went straight to bed. However, the prosecution was able to poke holes in his alibi. According to his cell phone records, he had actually called several different women between the hours of 2 a.m. and 5 a.m., including Leslie, whose apartment that he was allegedly sleeping at. So he definitely was not asleep during those hours, and he may not even have been at Leslie's apartment at all. I mean, why would he call her if he was already at her apartment? While the prosecution was seeking a life sentence for first-degree murder charges, Fair denied killing Arpana, and he put in a not-guilty plea. His defense team claimed that the prosecution was treating him differently due to his race. They also took issue with the DNA evidence, and here's where things get kind of messy. The DNA in this case was tested using a software program called True Allele, which claimed to provide more advanced results than what a crime lab typically could come up with. Because it was a software program that hadn't been used by the prosecution in Washington state yet, this gave the defense an opportunity to kind of poke holes in its accuracy basically to discredit this software. But according to Seattle Weekly, the newspaper, with the testing that the local crime lab performed, they determined that Fair was a thousand times more likely to have committed the crime than any other African American. But with True Allele's advanced software technology, their results found him to be 56.8 million times more likely to have killed Arpana. It's really neat that we have this kind of tech that can help us to analyze DNA and narrow down a list of suspects. But because this is a proprietary software, we aren't privy to how it exactly works to determine this information. So the defense, of course, they wanted to look through the source code to find out how this software had produced these results. But of course, the company did not want to provide this because again, it is a proprietary software and they didn't want competitors to steal their product. So in the end, it was just a big mess that caused huge delays in the trial. It was about eight years after Arpana was murdered and six years after Fair was charged with her murder that the first trial would begin in February of 2017. Now, whether you believe that Fair is guilty or not, a good person or not, everyone is entitled to a speedy trial, and Fair, he certainly did not get this. He couldn't come up with the money to make bail, so he just had to sit behind bars waiting for the courts to get their shit together. Prosecutors allege that after the party finished up and Arpana returned to her apartment, Fair followed her back, he broke down her front door, attacked her in the living room, and then ultimately killed her in her bedroom before spending a ton of time cleaning up the crime scene. 
They also made allegations that Fair may have had an accomplice, alluding to Arpana's neighbor, CJ, one of the men who found her body. While CJ was not facing any charges related to Arpana's murder, they made reference to the idea that they may have worked together to kill her and then destroy evidence. CJ was definitely near the top of the suspect list. At the Halloween party, CJ and Fair were seen together listening to music in a car, and CJ was one of the prime suspects before they ever charged Fair. The night of the party, CJ showed up heavily intoxicated. By his own admission, he told investigators that he was romantically interested in Arpana and he was hoping to hook up with her on the night of the party, but nothing happened. While CJ says that he left the party and he went back to his apartment at around midnight to go to sleep, his phone records would show that he actually called Arpana twice a few hours later, once at 2.56 a.m. and then a second time at 3.02 a.m., right around the time that she would have been returning to her apartment, right around the time that those sounds were heard between the walls. These were the last calls that Arpana would receive that night, and when questioned about these phone calls, CJ claimed to not remember anything about them. He denied that he ever called her. Eventually, when they showed him that they had proof that he had made these calls, he would come clean and confess, but it's not a good look. It would also be revealed that later on the day of the murder, he tried to cross the Canadian border without a passport, and he was denied entry. So why was he trying to get into Canada? Was he trying to flee? Oddly enough, CJ was offered an immunity deal for agreeing to be interviewed, so he was never charged with anything related to her death. Yet, CJ's DNA had also been found in multiple locations in the apartment. His DNA had also been found on a bottle of motor oil and on the bloody robe, both of which had been found inside of a plastic bag and thrown into the apartment complex's dumpster. The problem was, there was DNA from multiple men found on items of interest and in the apartment, some of whom had attended the Halloween party and even some who had not. So Fair's defense team claimed that CJ was just as likely to have killed Arpana on his own. Planting that seed of doubt is a common technique that the defense will do, to present an alternative suspect, and in this case, there really seemed to be other possibilities. Fair's first trial would last two months, and unfortunately, it ended with a hung jury. They couldn't come to an agreement on Fair's guilt. But prosecutors, they weren't giving up. They tried Fair again in 2019, but this time, a jury found him not guilty. He would spend nine years behind bars without ever being convicted of the murder. That's not to say that he's innocent. He does have a violent history, and he has past charges of raping a minor. He's not a great guy. But did he murder Arpana Janaga? Well, according to the jury in his second trial, no. Obviously, juries don't always get it right, so we don't really know. Which brings us to where we are today. Arpana Janaga's murder, it's still unsolved. One of the top suspects was charged and found not guilty. The other top suspect? He was given an immunity deal in exchange for providing information during two interviews. Both of these men had DNA found at the crime scene and on other items in the dumpster, 
However, there were multiple sets of DNA discovered, including another unnamed neighbor whose DNA was found on the boot lace that was used to strangle Arpana. Like, how did that get there? That man, he wasn't even at the Halloween party, but he did have a solid alibi for that night that basically ruled him out as a suspect, so he wasn't even really investigated. I think one thing that we can take away here is that not everything works like it does on TV crime shows. Even if there is a mountain of evidence, including all of this DNA, like in this case, authorities might still not be able to conclusively determine who the killer is, which is just so unfortunate. And everything moves so damn slowly. Fair has since gone on to sue the police, citing allegations of police racism and prosecutorial malfeasance. Part of his claim references how he spent nine years behind bars before he was found not guilty. He also claims that the police treated him much differently than the other main suspect, who just so happens to be white. The neighbor, CJ. And there was just as much evidence that pointed towards him as the killer, but he was treated completely differently. Unfortunately, there is no closure in this case. Arpana Janaga's murder remains unsolved to this day. If you'd like to dig further into her story, I highly recommend checking out the podcast series called Suspect, because there's a lot to unpack in this case. And Suspect, it includes clips from interviews with some of the key players in this story. They're going to just leave you scratching your head, wondering what is what. Spoiler alert, there is no conclusion, unfortunately. But still, go check it out. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. I also have a Serial Napper true crime discussion group. It's called Serial Society, and I'll have the link in my show notes. I would love to chat with you about this case and all other cases that I cover. You can find my audio on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I post all my episodes in video format over on YouTube, so go check it out. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. I'm also over on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Serial underscore Napper, and I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. Until next time, sweet dreams, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.